0: sometimes we question. Help us to walk with You in faithfulness because You have been faithful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Man, that's pretty cool, isn't it? In faithfulness, He has taken care of us again and again and again. With or without a ceiling <laughs> I knew you'd get it man it's just good to be here with you guys today if you're new here, my name is Calvary I'm the pastor and I just want to say welcome thank you for joining us um you know this is uh this is a good day um fill you in on, on a couple of things that are uh going on we've course has been the topic of the day as I'm looking at you I can see you know about half of you are looking up um, just ceiling tile are gone it's gonna be okay (laughs) Uh, the plan is and I don't know if you guys knew this our partnership with the school has been has really been good uh, for us in more ways than just the children's lives and the teachers that we're able to impact but Um, also in this partnership there's several things that have happened that's been beneficial for us one of those is uh, having fire sprinklers installed and that's the reason for all of what you see here Um, it's a a life safety thing that is I think going to be important for us but um, if you ultimately the ceiling tile are going to be gone it's going to be spray foamed up there just give you guys what's going on and that should be uh, hopefully a good thing for us as we move on but um, also, it's, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about all of the things available. As school's getting ready to start, there is a, um, sorry, I get distracted so easy when I see there's all the movement happening. And hey, um, so as part of what's going on is like, you know, uh, I, I know that there's the new Sunday school class that's starting. I know that there's uh, quite a few different. There's a really low hum of bass. It's it's a feedback from the subwoofer. I can feel my feet vibrating. <laughs> All right, well we'll just go along with it. Is am I crazy? Is it just some of you? Okay. All right. Um so maybe uh Bruno can help with that too. But I wanted to tell you about that. And, you know, we have like the women's Bible studies getting ready to start. The men's Bible study has been, some of you were, um, we've had two different uh, types of Bible study. We started out with an inductive Bible study. It was very deep and it was great. And uh, then for the summer, we've kind of made it a little bit lighter so that we've had, um, we've been watching the the Chosen TV series, I guess you call it that, The Chosen, which is amazing to see the life of Jesus. So the... um, that's on Wednesday nights, and I think that eventually we're going to get back to the inductive. But uh, if you guys are, were like, I don't know if I should come or not, like it's super easy, it's super simple. Not even any homework this time, but uh, that's been going on. And then I just am ready for the heat to be gone. But one thing about coming to this time of the heat being gone is that it's also the time for football to start. It's like we've been wandering in the wilderness. That's been our summer series where, you know, with the children of Israel as we wander with them. And then uh, we're coming to the end, the promised land, because, you know, the last night, I don't know if you noticed, the first uh, preseason football game, that was awesome. And uh, even though we lost, it was good that football was still, I say we, the Cowboys. But, all right, well, let's get on with this. In our series on the... um, Lessons in the Wilderness. We've been looking through the summer about things that we can learn from the children of Israel as they wander through um, the desert and they're on their way to the Promised Land because they were they were a needy a needy bunch. And I was actually as we were singing this last song, I was reminded of the times that we ourselves are, but like we've witnessed it. They witnessed it over and over and no matter what was going on in their lives, God was always faithful to them, and He's always faithful to us, and we need to remember that. Uh, But as I was getting ready for this, I came across a a couple of um, things to to help prepare us. When I was 12, my dad was telling me a, a story that happened at a gas station one day. He was out pumping gas, filling the tank up with gas, and as he was there, he saw a little dog. Any dog lovers here? Some dog lovers, yeah? How about cat lovers? (laughs) got a couple good for you Um, so the dog the little dog came around and he started to lick up some of the gas that was you know how it is at the gas stations there's you know water gas whatever dogs licking it up and um, all of a sudden the dog stood up and started to run around the car real fast around and around and around and around and he kept running until finally he just stopped and dropped on the ground not dead asleep (laughs) and uh, I said what happened dad he said well I guess he finally ran out of gas (laughs) <laughs> all right not so good <laughs> I came across a sign one time that said danger beware of dog coming into a store you guys have probably seen those especially it seems like these are the kind of stores that have dogs in them around the lake and stuff you know like the the bait shops around so anyway the uh the dog was was uh the sign was there for a dog beware of the dog I opened the door and there was a a, um, a hound dog that was over in the corner, laying down on the ground, and I was, was like, "Is that the dog we're supposed to be scared of?" And he said, "Well, I said, beware of the dog because until that sign, so many people were tripping over him." <laughs> Today, I want to just get you warmed up. You know, we're going to look at how God provides, like He provides these funny jokes. Uh, We're going to be in the book of Exodus again, and uh, the message notes today are going to be in the the church app or the Bible app as well, but um, we're in Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16, and I'm going to read just a a couple of verses, and skip down verses 3 and 4, then skip down to uh, 13 through 21. You can see the QR code, thank you, Alan, he's always a technical marvel to me, but he's got the You want to just go straight to the message notes you can scan that qr code there and that'll take you right there but all right so chapter 16 starting with verse 3 the israelites said to them if only we had died by the lord's hand in egypt there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted but you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death sounds like us sometimes right then the lord said to moses i will rain down bread from heaven for you the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day in this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions and then uh, skip down if you will to verse 13 that evening quail came and covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp when the dew was gone thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor when the Israelites saw it they said to each other what is it for they did, they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. (laughs) They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. You know, I don't know if we've ever paid a lot of attention to that story. We know of the bread from heaven, manna, right? I wish we could see what it was like um, today. It would be very interesting to see what this manna was like. But if you notice in, in verse three, it starts out with them saying, um, if, if you had only, if we'd only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, because in Egypt at least we sat around and we ate pots of meat and it was such a glorious existence forgetting that they had been slaves, right? And they had been set free. Now, why do we complain so much? You guys just ever think about that? And if you follow this story, they are complaining all the time. And I feel like we complain. Uh, I've read a story about a man who robbed a Wendy's in Atlanta, and he came through the, the uh, cash drawer in the drive-thru, asked them for as much, grabbed all he could, and when he got home, he called twice complaining that next time there better be more than 586 dollars in the cash drawer complaining because he didn't have enough that he had taken uh, there was another story about a bank robber in Syracuse New York um, he walked into an alliance bank and he be- uh, he didn't beg he demanded twenty thousand dollars true story demanded twenty thousand dollars they gave him a bag of cash and he, he took off When he got home and counted it, he saw that there was less than $20,000. So he went back to the bank to complain that they had not given him the $20,000 he asked for and he was arrested. (laughs) Complaining is strange, right? Like we're sitting here thinking that's a weird thing to complain about, but we complain, all of us. Complaining is as natural for us as, as breathing. In fact, psychologists call the root of our need to complain a negative bias have you ever heard about this the negative bias some of you are like no but i have had a negative bias and what the negative bias is is it causes us to focus on what is not right rather than what is good it's a legitimate thing most people withhold their negative gripes for their family and their friends people who can be a sympathetic ear even though, even though they found that all that griping and complaining is not good for you, did you know that? I mean, it makes sense, but um, they have found that there, there's this part of your brain called the hippocampus. I'm going to turn into Bill Porter for a second. Hippocampus. All right, the hippocampus is the part of your brain that is uh, where your memory and your emotion and your learning takes place. So they have found they've done studies, and when the hippocampus is exposed to Uh, the the hormones that are released during stress, which happens when we complain, when it's exposed to those hormones, as it's exposed to those hormones, the hippocampus shrinks. In other words, grumbling makes us and the people listening dumber. Literally. (laughs) Some of you are like, oh man, that's what's wrong. It's a joke, it's a joke, come on. We are reported, they've studied, to complain somewhere between 15 and 30 times a day. Researchers think that as much as 60% of our communication is related to complaints. Can you believe that? More than half of our communication is complaining. It's crazy. So here's the thing, here's the point. If we're going to experience joy in life, we have to, we must focus on gratitude, on what God has done for us. We need to turn the negative into gratitude for what God has done. We need, in other words, to allow God to renew our minds. Have you heard that before? To change from the negative bias to the joy of God. Here's how Paul says it in Romans chapter 12. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Some of your versions say renewing your minds. Then you will know, uh, learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this, I just want to tell you, release the blahs. There's the emoji, the meh emoji. You know that one? Like release that guy. (laughs) Let him go. Focus on the joy. Focus on the good things. Focus on what God has done. Focus on His faithfulness. Focus on the times. And you're going to go through tough times. I go through tough times. We're going to go through those. But don't let that be your focus. That's one thing we can learn from them in this. But what I want to really get to today is God's provision. We read in verse 18, When they measured it by the omer, The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Now, that is a miracle. I don't know if you have ever read it that way, but this this is, what's happening here is a miracle, okay? The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. You see, God meets us at the point of our need how much you need, what is your need? God will determine that and he will meet you there. You see, he gave them manna. This was a new food that they had never seen. They woke up and it was just this covering on the ground that was edible. And and they were able to go out and gather enough For the day, some gathered a lot, some gathered a little. Not everyone gathers at the same rate or the same speed or needs the same amount. You understand that, right? Everybody needs something different. Have you ever fed kids? Not every kid wants to eat the same every day. Have you ever tried to make your kids eat? I have a friend, and this isn't a joke. He got so mad at his daughter because she would not eat the meal and, and it was one of those things where mom had made something the whole family sat down and the daughter was like I'm not going to eat this I need you to make me something else uh, <laughs> no thank you so the, the the dad got mad this friend of mine and he made the daughter sit there she sat there for like five hours at the table until she started to fall asleep at the table I mean I don't know if that's good parenting or not um, but making our kids eat is something so Sarisa's, uh or the, the kids, our kids, pediatrician, when they were babies, I remember we went through this time of, we don't know, like they don't, they're not eating very much on these days, but some days they're on the do- The pediatrician said, the kids are going to eat when they're hungry. So, um, we, went, we went through that. But the point is, the food they were gathering was enough for that day, and you never know how much you're going to need. So, the miracle of this is, God met them where they needed The one who gathered much didn't get too much and the one who gathered little didn't get too little. So let's say you were sick one day and it was your job to gather and you gathered a little bit and you're like, I just can't gather anymore. That was enough for the day. Are you seeing what God did here? The miracle is that no matter if you gathered just a little bit, you had enough for the whole day. He provided. It wasn't, are you guys, I love buffets. Any of you you like a buffet? (laughs) that's one of my problems in life is that I love food it's we have an unhealthy relationship and uh a a buffet is awesome Golden Corral yeah me and my friend Ned we are Golden Corral lovers I can't really go to them very often because I'll make a fool of myself I am I imagine that when I'm eating at Golden Corral and those fresh rolls oh my word (laughs) sorry I need to stop so when I'm eating at Golden Corral is not what God had in mind here. Not that, he, he, he provides just what we need. Not enough to make a glutton of yourself. Not enough to leave you hungry. So the dad who was sick and went to gather on that day, he gathered enough that lasted the family. And if more was needed, then more is what they had, but only based on what he gathered. Do you see how God works those miracles? Sometimes for us, it's hard because we, see, okay, I need one pound of whatever this is for the day of manna. I need to go gather a pound so that it'll last me for the day. And if I couldn't gather a pound, maybe it ends up that God provided a pound for you even though you gathered only half a pound. He was meeting them at their need. That's the point. And we don't trust God to meet us there. We want to take care of it. We want to fill the need. We want to do. Someone who was able to gather... It doesn't matter how much they gathered. It, it, they had all they needed. But it's still like they were singing the song. I can't get no satisfaction. It's amazing. Because everywhere we look, everybody is seeking satisfaction. It's like a buzzword. Job satisfaction and school satisfaction and teacher satisfaction and church satisfaction. I can't get satisfied anywhere. 60%. Of negative bias and negative communication listen this is gonna be hard for some of us to hear but we're not all equal <laughs> just so you know we don't all earn the same wages we don't all have the same privileges or opportunities we don't all have the same abilities whatever it is we're not all equal but the one thing that we can be equal in knowing is that our satisfaction will come from god and We're talking about physical satisfaction, but what about spiritual satisfaction? What about spiritual satisfaction? How were the Israelites satisfied? Well, first, manna met their daily needs. It it was a physical meat, but still the manna met their daily needs and, and it satisfied their physical hunger for 40 years. Something we don't talk about much, but for 40 years as they wandered through the desert, they had manna. 40 years God met their need every day and the crazy thing is for that day they had their need they didn't know where tomorrow was going to come from they had to trust that God would provide and those that tried to get two pounds of manna the second pound the next day was full of maggots and stinking God met their need daily it's so hard for us to trust but he met their need also manna gave them Strength to wander through the desert. We don't know the nutritional information of it, but for 40 years, this kept them going. It's what they had. It gave them strength to wander the desert. But what about spiritual? Where's our spiritual lesson here? I, I think God had something different in mind than only physical because I want to tell you this is the last point. Our our manna today our manna is God's word and I'm going to take you to the scripture and show you how this was God's intention anyway to teach them a lesson first we need to understand that there is a spiritual famine if you look around the world today people are looking for something spiritually and a lot of them just don't know what that is and I've heard people say um well, I don't know if it's God or Allah or it, wh- who it is I'm looking for, but I'm spiritual, right? You've heard that. I'm, I'm just, I'm a spiritual person. But that's not what it's about. There, there is a drought, a, a Holy Spirit drought. Amos, the prophet Amos says this in chapter eight, the days are, clung, are coming, declares the sovereign Lord. When I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young women and strong young men will faint because of thirst. There is today a spiritual famine. People are staggering everywhere looking for the presence of the Lord and I'm thankful that we don't have to do that because we know who he is and we know where he is and we have a relationship with him and we can meet him and this morning during our time of worship, I met God. I don't know about you but the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me all morning and I love it. When we, and we don't have to, it's not only when we're gathered together. Corporate times of worship like this are amazing, but God will meet you where you're at. Holy Spirit will talk to you when and where you talk to him, if you learn to hear. Thursday, we're gonna have our prayer. And if I could just, a plug for that, come to the prayer meeting. When I was growing up, and I'm not knocking this, just to give you an understanding of if when I say prayer meeting, when I was growing up, we would have prayer meeting um, at the church. <laughs> it was one of um, my, oh, I'm gonna, I don't wanna get in trouble. It was just not my favorite time, okay? It was just, it wasn't. I love prayer. But the prayer meeting as, you know, a 10 year old boy was miserable because we would we would sit in the pews and I, I can remember and the preacher would get up and he would say, all right, we're here. Anybody want to give a testimony today? My mom would start elbowing me. <laughs> Ten years old, give a testimony, son. Give it t- and I was like, I don't, Mom, I don't even know what to say. Stand up. I can remember her elbowing me to stand up. And I would stand up, and every, every week, my testimony was, I just love the Lord, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I would sit back down, and everybody's like, oh, isn't that so sweet? (laughs) I want you to know that, and probably my youth was part of it, but when I say prayer meeting, I don't want that to be the image that gets conjured up for you. Because a time of prayer, a prayer meeting, is a time of sincere drenching of the Spirit. Because we together are calling His name corporately as a group holy spirit we want to meet with you we want you to speak to us we want you to speak through us we want to see miracles we want to see people healed we want to see relationships restored i was at a prayer meeting about six years ago and i'll never forget an estranged couple um who hadn't weren't even living together at the time and we were at a prayer meeting and this young man came he it was a little scary because he busted through the front door the the back door of this the the auditorium busted through the front door and he came stomping down to the front and I was like dear Jesus I need you to protect me right now because I didn't know what was about to happen and that man fell on his face on the altar weeping out loud begging for God's forgiveness at a prayer meeting in front of all of us because the Holy Spirit had gotten a hold of him that couple today has is restored six years later living for Jesus and raising their children for Jesus uh, to be Christians. You just don't know what's gonna happen when we call on the name of God together. And that's what we're looking for. There's a spiritual drought, and people are looking for that infilling of the Spirit. So, the spiritual purpose of manna in Deuteronomy chapter 8, We read this. This is Moses writing. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. I just need to stop because we don't want to be humbled. We are a proud people. God humbled them, causing them to hunger. Then fed them manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. It was new. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone. You guys know how this goes. But every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The spiritual lesson here is not only that God is going to take care of your every need, provide for you daily, only what is necessary. But that we must learn to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We can't get there unless we know him. And if we don't know him, then we are in a spiritual drought. Every word, but what is that word? John tells us in the New Testament what that word is. Not only the scripture, we all know, and people will say the word of God, and this is the word of God. But John says, not only the spoken word, but Jesus Christ himself in chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Do you see what's happening to the manna? Became the word. Come on, guys, this is good. Then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is the manna. John chapter six, uh, verse thirty-three. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. This is Jesus talking. Then Jesus declared, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go thirsty. I mean, hungry." And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the bread of life. The lesson to be learned for us from them is that God humbled them, made them where they needed him for their next day's provision. I'm praying that God does not humble me to that extent. I need to approach him already, humble. Because if we're in a spiritual drought and he needs to humble you, he will. So that I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow and I've gotta step in faith with him knowing only he can provide, the provision comes from him, I'm stepping in that? God, I don't know. And then that becomes a spiritual provision in Jesus Christ who is the word who became flesh so the manna that God gave the Israelites represented God's word and the life giving presence of Jesus Christ both are essential to our spiritual life so when we talk about the word of God now we are talking about the word God can also speak to you His word. And then Jesus is the word. Mm. Both are available to us, but here's here's the, the point, the process is, it's our effort, it requires our effort to seek him out. You see, he gave them the manna, but they had to gather it. He gave them what they needed, but they had to get out of their tent and do something about it. He was everything that they even wanted. Even when they gathered a little, they had all they needed. It requires effort on our part. The manna may fall from heaven, but it requires effort on our part. We have to have spiritual nourishment seeking out the manna of God so we're going to close and I, I want to have a time of reflection here I just want you to know that remember from the Israelites we, we learned the importance of trusting God for our daily bread we have to trust him we have to stay connected to him from day to day. I, you know, John Wesley, um, he preached a sermon even. Well, he preached two sermons about this. Uh, one was the means of grace, and he talked about the duty of constant communion. And then he felt it so important, he preached a whole other message about the duty of constant communion. He believed in this idea of constant communion, and, and he promoted it so often because he believed it was a means of God's grace for us. Meaning, God's grace, it it opened a conduit, a channel by which God pours his grace on us. His love and favor is poured on us when we take communion. And taking communion, you guys know, is the bread of life, the word, remembering what Jesus did for us. Here's what he wrote. It is the duty of every Christian to receive the Lord's Supper as often as he can. People would say, and they, there's, in his journal, he had um, responded to people, there were letters written to him about, don't you think you can take it too often? And he said, no. We have a duty of constant communion. All the time. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come forward so we can close in this time of reflection. He believed that we should do it as often as possible because When we receive Christ, our life is transformed. And this is what we need to remember about our spiritual awakening through Jesus. When we receive him, our life can be transformed. But receiving him is more than just standing here. It is seeking, searching him out looking for Him, spending time with Him. I knew a man when I was, um, when I was a a kid, I can remember he was, he he used to make jokes, and his joke was he was going to put the Bible on his head and receive it by osmosis. (laughs) Some of us really try that. We think, We don't get into it, we're we're not really reading it, and we're not spending time with it, but we have one, and we hope that by our proximity to it, something rubs off. It's not, and and it's not just this, it's spending time with, and hearing, and listening. So this morning, I'm just going to ask you guys, just bow your heads, and close your eyes, and And whatever is happening in your life today, think about the Israelites and going through the desert, not knowing where tomorrow's meal was going to come from. God was teaching them a lesson to trust in him. So I'm just gonna ask if you will spend these next moments with Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know what you have for me. Teach me to trust in you. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would just open all of our hearts, help us to receive the bread of life, who is Jesus. It's so interesting to see that in Deuteronomy, he talks about teaching a lesson to receive the bread of life. It's every word that comes from the mouth of God and then that word ends up being Jesus Christ. Man, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to connect with you in a special way this morning. We love you. As we get ready, we're going to close here. I'm going to ask them to sing this song. and Just use it as a time of reflection. What is it going to take to receive the word of God? is the bread of life Jesus help us to trust you